0: Good evening and welcome to your Sunday night podcast. This is the Cybrox. If you're joining us on your Sunday night tonight at eight o'clock, as always, we appreciate it. And of course, you are very welcome. My name's Scott Patterson. I'll take you through for the next hour or so. Well, there's quite a bit to discuss, as you probably expect after a weekend in in the world of Rangers. We discuss the victory at Livingston yesterday and the headlines that came from that. We also have a wee bit of chat to discuss on our captain, James Tavernier, who, of course, is getting closer and closer to a very special accolade that not many have made um, at the football club. Clearly, not many right back. Um, and we also do a little bit about the Hall of Fame, which is being introduced or reintroduced tonight after some time off. And of course, it ties in very nicely with the reintroduction or the opening rather of the the gala of Edmiston House, which is going on right now um, at Ibrox Stadium. Uh, joining me on the podcast tonight, it's good to have Adam Robertson on. Hi, Adam, how are you?
1: Yeah, good, thanks, Scott. Good. Good to be back on.
0: Not had you on for a while, you've been hiding, or just very, very busy. You've got a very busy day job, we have to say, don't you?
1: Yes, no, that that is true, but no, glad to be back. I get usually that stressful watching them that it's hard to kind of put it into words afterwards, so <laughs> I was glad that it was a 3-0 comfortable or fairly comfortable victory at the weekend. It makes
0: this a wee bit easier. Indeed, and joining us again, it's good to have Saf back in a Sunday. Hi, Saf, Dar, how are
2: you? I'm well, I'm well, Scott, good to see you as well. Yeah, looking forward to having a, a chat for about an hour or so.
0: Yes, Thank yes. The so loads, loads, yes indeed. <laughs> loads to discuss tonight. As I say, Livingston and James Tavernier and the Hall of Fame police are going to someone's door we can hear in the background. If you are getting involved tonight, don't forget to jump into the chat. We will get to your comments if we possibly can. We will be looking for your suggestions who you think should be indeed um, introduced to the Hall of Fame discussion tonight. We reckon... I reckon um, there's a chance Alan McGregor and Stephen Davis will be in with a shout of being one of the three that are um, inducted tonight, and is definitely so. First of all, let's wind it back to yesterday afternoon, a Saturday afternoon kickoff three o'clock away from Ibrox. Adam, we'll start with you. One of my main concerns um, going into the game was whether we would see any of Cantwell or, or and I certainly never expected to see both on that horrible horrible surface, but we did and I thought they were both excellent yesterday afternoon
1: Yeah, I'm in complete agreement Scott I mean, I have to say I was a bit nervous going into the game as well, just obviously the plastic pitch, you always kind of have concerns about injuries etc, especially when it's a new player that everybody's excited about and you know you don't want them to, to get injured just straight after coming to the club, but also just coming off the back of that 2-1 home victory against Ross County and then also a kind of quite chaotic 3-2 against Partick Thistle, admittedly with a, a lot of changes, but just on Raskin and Cantwell, yeah, they both coped really well, played well, I think I, only based off highlights but I believe was Raskin man of the match or he was certainly one of the, the better players anyway
0: I mean, he was certainly, as you listen you're absolutely right, he was one of the ones that I think came out with um, quite a decent amount of plaudits. the big thing for me is that I don't think, and I'm I'm sure I'm wrong um. But I don't think, Saf, I don't think there will be many times where these boys have a, will have played on that sort of stodgy, rubbishy surface. It was almost a blessing in disguise that it peed down with rain because the ground was a wee bit slicker for them to play their game on.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that as well. I think the the, the climate and the conditions kind of helped somewhat. Um, clearly, they're early into um, Scottish football in terms of technically as well. Clearly, that's that's a bit of a see change from where they've come from as well so clearly uh, that's a challenge and the surface doesn't help livingston as we know can be a bit of a, a horrendous uh, surface and or fixture typically historically for, yeah. for many teams and it was good to kind of just get that in the bag and just continue the good run that we've had uh with, with michael since he's kind of joined us just taking taking the box
0: saf will stick with you because one name that was glaringly obvious has not been involved yesterday um, was Malik Tillman. We knew we were going to be missing Lundström. We knew that Jack had a problem. Um, Tillman missing yesterday with such a big game coming on the horizon this time next week. Um, that's got to a bit of a concern, is it not?
2: Yeah, I mean, a concern, but also a positive. Fingers crossed. I, I, I watched the press conference afterwards and Michael was saying that it's touch and go. Yeah. With, uh, with the three of them, the ones that you just mentioned, um, Scott. So um, let's see how the week progresses. Uh, but he missed out. As, as we know, as we said, it's a difficult surface, conditions, you know, slippery and all the rest of it. Uh, he's been playing great uh, for the last few weeks, been exceptional, um, kind of leading the line, uh, being creative. And hopefully that that's something that we can look forward to in the coming week where he, he, he's fully fit again. And uh, for, for, I think we certainly would need them for for next week.
0: Well, absolutely, and Teddy Bears, I, th- I think, sort of says something that we can all buy into. Levy pitch and an embarrassment, surely. If clubs want to use AstroTurf, then it has to be newer and 2G or gravel. Um, as yes. I argue, <laughs> it is there or thereabouts. So don't forget, if you are watching us tonight on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, get involved, and we will flash comments up. And um, particularly if they're good ones, if there are any rotten ones. Um, Quite happy not to bring them up to be perfectly frank. However, if you want to get involved, please make a point of doing that. So yesterday we I thought in the first half we played really quite well. I didn't I didn't think there was um really any real threats from Livingston. They of course had a um a good chance after we went 1-0 up before we get to that Fashion Sakala came in Adam and had a really good chance for him to be um, probably a little bit sharper. He's looking along the line. He should never get caught offside there.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie, Scott, you cut out for a wee minute there, but I'm assuming with the, with the frustrations <laughs> of Flash and Sakala, you can tend to sort of fill in the blanks of what has happened. If, if there's ever a player that shouldn't be offside, you would think it would be somebody as quick as him. But yeah, I mean, obviously we thought we were off to a kind of really good start there. The linesman flagged it pretty quickly. And when we've seen it back, it... You know, it was one of those ones that are very obvious. It's not the kind of thing that happened at Hearts a few weeks ago when I think it was, you know, incredibly tight. It was hard to perhaps blame Fashion Sakala against Hearts. Obviously, he was offside, but it was very fine margins in comparison to, to yesterday. But, you know, another player who, since Michael Beale has come in, has just looked so much sharper. And, and yes, I know it's kind of pointless to perhaps say, you know, it's good that he's getting in those positions if they're offside positions. But I think, honestly, it was better than perhaps what we were seeing before. Um and yeah I do think Teddy Bears is quite spot on there I mean it, he is a frustrating player we've known that and I think don't really know if it's something we'll ever be sort of rid of in that sense in terms yeah. of you know if he's just that kind of player but what he offers I think can be can be such a positive he's so quick and, and can be so electric when he gets going and particularly against you know we've seen the damage he did again in the old firm when he won that penalty I mean out of pretty much nothing if I remember correctly so um, yeah, frustrating, but you know, just kind of classic Fashion Sakala, I think, at this point.
0: Do you know I have to say and I know we refer to the WhatsApp chat a lot on these pods podcasts, yes. um, for this Zybrox. Saf and Adam, I think it's fair to say you guys are quite sensible and don't get involved a lot in said chats. However, if you do catch my opinion on Fashion Sakala in there, it'll be quite clear that I'm not a huge fan of him. Um and and yesterday I was I was really surprised to see that lack of Maybe awareness. I almost looked at, I looked at it again a couple of times. And I thought, you know, I wonder if he has almost just been too quick and he's just not had the presence of mind to make sure he is sort of onside, probably finding himself offside almost. But again, I would argue at his age, it's something he should never be, able to, be um, able to do. Listen, Saf, we took the lead, and um, I have to say, I, I felt that the goal that we got was. Um, do you know, I, I was really surprised that the ref never gave a penalty in the first instance. I'm surprised that they had to go to VAR for it. Um, the the pull at the back from from oh we've lost Saf. Adam Stewart. Oh, yeah, I, I was I was a, I was a, <laughs> he's had enough. I, I was yeah. a little bit surprised at the um, the the pull at the back post wasn't by David Dickinson the the referee. I thought it was quite obvious that it absolutely was a penalty and it should have been given near and then.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I think it's easy when you watch it back to sort of think that is a little bit harsh but then when you kind of strip it back to just the basic rules of the game he's got a hold of his shirt there's zero attempt to play the ball yes he's yeah. not like sort of got a hold of Morales' shirt shirt physically hold him to the ground admittedly would probably be quite difficult with someone that built like alfredo Morales. so yeah kind of with you scott i suppose maybe the only thing i can think is that although this probably isn't necessary they've maybe just thought let's just go to var and sort of triple-check this, I guess. Maybe the ref has seen it, but he knows he's got VAR there. Who, who knows? But, yeah. yeah, I think there seemed to be a bit of controversy about it. And, and I suppose perhaps the controversy comes from the consistency in that sense, because we have seen in games in the past players getting shirts pulled or not pulled. It's happened to Rangers. Rangers have probably got away with it a few times as well. You know, and it's not getting given. So perhaps that's where the frustrations come in. But I think by the laws of the game, if that happens next week and Connor Goldson does that to somebody, Touchwood, probably shouldn't say next week, a couple of weeks' time, <laughs> um, then, um, then, you know, it has to be given as a penalty. So I think that's perhaps where the frustration comes from. But, yeah, by the rules of the game, it's pretty spot on from Scott Mitchell there. You know, it's a really clear target that it's a penalty.
0: Scott Mitchell, friend of the show, player stops Morelos from competing for the ball with a tug, a very clear tug. Saf, I assume you, like I, um, was very surprised that it wasn't given immediately as a penalty.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was surprised, but then I kind of understood maybe why. Because while there was a bit of a pull, it wasn't really a massive stretch. Uh, You know, there was a touch, there was a pull, there was a tug. Um, I think he just wanted to make sure to have that double check, I guess. Uh, in his own mind and um, that it was significant and it wasn't just kind of a touch of the hand or whatever and the penalty was given I mean that's what was good about VAR I mean that's why we've got VAR to just to give that um, second view review on it and to make sure that it was definitely a penalty typically last year that would have been missed uh, and we would not have had that um, goal at all and um, so it's good to see VAR working uh, for once um, in our favour and correctly as well
0: yeah, listen, you're absolutely right. Of course, James Tavernier um, stepped up after missing his penalty last week. I was maybe a little bit surprised about seeing him um, taking it yesterday. However, I think it shows a captain's responsibility, which is absolutely what we want. Um, thrashed at home and his 50th penalty for the club, Adam. Yeah. Um, and listen, we're going to come on to to James Tavernier um, a wee bit later in the podcast about how history will look back on him in, say five, ten years time, how he will be be rated, and it'll you know it'll stir a lot of as their best right back, which I get and I understand. Um, I think it will certainly split a lot of the support. However, um, for him to get the penalty and tuck it away as comfortably was certainly looked like he had any. Risk of last week's miss at Ibrox in his head is absolutely out of there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think he's quite a mentally tough player in that sense. I know he went through a phase, can't quite remember when it was, where slightly edgy on the penalties after obviously a very good run. But I think recently we're at the point where if he misses one, it kind of is a surprise. And, you know, when he steps up to take the next one, I don't think it's really that big of an issue you know i think he's he's very mentally tough as i said in that sense and yeah most times he steps up i think you just expect him to score obviously you know when you're watching it live you can't help but go that way but <laughs> it was, it was the back you think well yeah you know he was always, uh, always that, so. yeah and a good penalty as well you know
0: yeah absolutely and of course immediately after that staff and um, Livingston had a really good chance um to draw level long throw which I have to say, the defence, Goldson and Davies didn't deal with well at all, and it bounces right out to the back post, and, and James Penrice, the um, Livingston left-back, really has a bit of a scuff at it. If that happens against a better team, it's one each, isn't it?
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the risk, isn't it? When you go one up and you're kind of not playing, you're playing OK but not great, there's always a yeah. chance that they're going to go up. As you know, three, three months ago, they, they were scored. That's the kind of game that we were drawn under Gio, uh, yeah. under that kind of form we were having in, in the first half of the season um but yeah I mean they had some chances the other few clearly that was one he scuffed at it didn't really get in target didn't really get any weight behind it or control and luckily you know it wasn't any danger uh, but yeah yeah I mean that's going to happen and luckily we can nullified a lot of that during the game I think there's another chance in the second half as well um um late on uh, or mid midway through the half but uh it wasn't too bad um but you, you do want a little bit of control more you know we were having decent possession but without doing too much in the first half notwithstanding the, the the penalty uh and you do want a bit more element of uh, scoring or certainly control around that
0: and listen curry muncha jumps in our er, er, chats on, on youtube couple of chances in 90 odd minutes you can't complain about the defense listen i think that's absolutely right and what you are seeing just now is that um that consistency of goldson and davies is working um I think yesterday I was maybe a little bit concerned and surprised indeed that the throwing <clears> comes <throat> from one end of the pitch and ends up at the other and Livingston do have a good chance from it. Adam, last chance of the of the first half that came to us that I really want to speak about, just because I don't know if you'll know if Ryan Kent was offside or not, because not many mm-hmm. people I spoke to is able to tell me if, they, if he was. Wonderful pass um, from T- Todd Cantwell, who I, I thought looked brilliant um, all afternoon, I have to say. Great pass across to Kent. Um and he gets brought. I mean, he, he gets absolutely nailed in the box, um, and there's a bit of humming and hawing after that. And I don't think anyone really is understanding if the refs went to VAR for a penalty, if he's went to VAR for it to be offside. I don't think even now we know if it was given for for offside or not. In any of the angles I've seen, certainly remain a wee bit inconclusive. Any idea yourself?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, purely based on sort of the only logical conclusion I could draw from seeing it back on the highlights is, I mean, it's a sensational ping from Cantwell to Kent. I personally think that if Ryan Kent is not offside, then it's probably a penalty because he is quite clumsy. He does sort of clatter into him. I know you could maybe argue it's a coming together and then we get into the whole, is it clear and obvious, etc. But in my opinion, it is clumsy and it, it would be a penalty. So, Yeah, it was a fantastic ball and as I say, Scott, I don't think we know at this moment in time, but my only thinking is that Ryan Kent was offside because then there's What's surely more debate around it. I mean, it was very tight, though, I have to say. I mean, watching it back, it was one of those where, you know, you just hate seeing it on the replay because his, you know, left kneecaps offside. But um, yeah, that that's my kind of understanding of the situation. Try, trying to draw logical conclusions from Scottish football is hard at the best of times. But the introduction of VAR, I think <laughs> that's, that's hit a new level, really. So.
0: And, you know, I'm I'm going to be a bit facetious, Saf, but ordinarily in a situation like this, you would look for a line in the grass to see if he's offside or not. That's right. Um, but of course, there's no danger of you doing that yesterday at all, is there?
2: That's right. I mean, for me, um, yeah, clearly it was a, Obviously, we would have been an offside, otherwise it was a clear penalty. For me, what was interesting about that uh, run of play was the pass. It was just yeah. a beautiful pass on oh, that surface that, that got, got, got Kent some space. To maybe do something and clearly he was brought down offside or not and if Cantwell's going to be doing that regularly we're into some some really interesting times interesting place and uh, also goals can do that we have really lacked somebody they can do that kind of color pass range range it out and make some space and hopefully uh differ for me that was just so good to see that uh, uh happening for once
0: and saf we'll stick with you because one player who i thought um, I thought we looked really, really comfortable in the first half with a fantastic re- range of passing out with Cantwell, um, with Nico Raskin. I thought it was excellent the first half. Really relaxed his way through the game. Um, very composed on the ball. He's um, what we've been missing for a, a long time now, isn't he?
2: Exactly. I mean, for somebody that's really just joined us recently, as you know, uh, come from Europe, um, you know, Scottish football, as I said, at the start of this uh, pod, I can be a bit hurly-burly. But getting used to it takes time for people to adapt to the environment, especially that surface as well, as we know. Uh, He did great. He did great. He adapted really well. Even last week against Vissell, he played his part. Um, He seemed to have clearly Beale and his team have done their homework, uh, as we know, for for a number of months in terms of tracking him and how he's going to fit into our state of play and the system and whatnot. And he seems to be a bit of a gem in terms of coming in, blending in really well. And fingers crossed, he'll just grow. Uh, and continue as as part of the team and, and add a lot of value and certainly next Sunday and going forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As I say, I felt that um, he was really impressive for the ninety minutes. I thought the first half he he was particularly good, but for the ninety minutes for longevity of that period of time, I thought he was really really good and clearly um, a player to be excited about. Um, at a time when Ross Wilson gets a bit of a doing, I have to say his um, his January transfer window was was really good. Um, Second half, we we come out the second half. Ryan Kent goes clean through. I I think the ball takes a bobble just in front of Adam as the the Livingston goalkeeper, George, comes out to him. I think ordinarily, if if it is on grass, again, he probably takes the ball around him and and Rangers get their second of the afternoon. Wasn't to be. Um, He had a good game yesterday. I I, I think we're, we're looking at a player now who, every time you see him, you're almost wondering are we going to get an announcement next week with Ryan Kent? Is something going to come, become clearer about Ryan Kent? Is he going to be around? Is he not? And do you know what I mean? With each passing week and you hear nothing, it's easy to think that the news may not be good, but I think you've got the Conor Gold, Goldson situation from last summer to cling on to a little bit, don't you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Obviously, the way they did that Goldson announcement, and I think we were all, you know, pretty resigned to the fact. I mean, I think, might remember even speaking on this podcast, kind of doing a sort of you know, wishing him well, basically, and thanking him
0: for the
1: club, because it really was kind of out of the question, I think, you know, in my head, maybe that's just sort of being pessimistic, you just wonder if lightning's going to strike twice in that sense, I don't know if they would do that again, but then the kind of funny thing is, from what I can, you know, what I've been reading, and, you know, you have to kind of take every transfer room with a pinch of salt, but he doesn't seem to have been linked with a huge amount of pre-contracts or anything like that, so he obviously, you know, seems very happy at Rangers, he's he's well liked, he's got a coach that clearly really values him and since you know moving on from Giovanni Van Bronckhorst to Michael Beale, he's, he's taken on a slightly different role been really freed up recently and, and just kind of utilizing the talent that he has so you would hope from a personal point of view it's, it's hard to see any reasons why Ryan Kent would want to leave Rangers I suppose it's just the kind of administrative side that needs handled in that sense whether it's money whether it's range, Rangers thinking differently I, I don't know what it is obviously nobody will know apart from the, the player in the club so yeah we just have to kind of hope that he stays and, and maybe Rangers maybe that's just their thing now just keeping us on hooks with players that we really value till you know pretending they've gone and then he'll, he'll be staying so yeah I mean it, it's, it's hard to say I mean I don't know do you guys think it will be a sort of similar situation to Goldson, where we'll find out like right in the summer or do you think it will be a like just random week sometime
0: do you know, I've, I've got to be honest, I think as far as Ryan Kent's concerned, I think he will sign on again, to be perfectly honest with you, but I, I think it'll be another little while before we indeed find out, out if he's if he's staying or not. I, I personally think he will sign again and I don't think you can underestimate the fact of, of having Michael Bealin. to be perfectly honest. I think mm-hmm. the Beal spoke publicly about how he, he's known Kent for years. He's trained him for for a very long time. Uh, I think there's a good chance that Ryan Kent signs on again. Morelos, I think, is gone. Um, I think mentally it looks like he's ready to go elsewhere as well, to be perfectly frank. I, I think he will leave. Um, Saf, where are you on that? Would, would you, um, do you think Kent will hang around?
2: I mean, I'm on record of saying, I suspect, both will leave. Um, right. the, for this this- end of the season's contract the reason I say that is because see nowadays players have so much power especially if they come out of contract they, they, they get offered a lot of money to sign whereas a signing on fee that's enhanced wages because of the fact that there's no transfer fee involved so yeah. it's very hard to turn down and the, last season I think golson's was an exception we all expected him to leave come I don't know what it was it was it mid-June or something we got that announcement that that he was he signed another four year contract, um, and we were all happy. about with that, because we 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 expected him to leave, and I f- I suspect that will happen with these two. But as you say, Scott, you know, Ryan seems to be happy. He's he's had a new lease of life since Michael's joined us the last uh, two and a bit months. And um, he's got that personal connection from from being a from very young age, very very young age. And um, if we offer him enough money, uh, money talks. Uh, he may well stay and, and and go again uh whether that's for for more european success and whatnot i, I have no idea i just know that there, there is a lot of money at stake when players are at a contract just because of the nature of the fact that the the lack of transfer fee and you can then more or less pass you know whatever it's two three million to the player himself immediately and not many people will turn that down Uh yeah. you know it's, it's it's life enhancing money so even at that kind of level as well
0: And listen, a very interesting, Rangers on Tour um, jumps in the chat with so many players are coming to the end of their contracts, Kemp won't sign a new deal until those deal expires, as we still have a wage structure to assumably stay within, which I completely agree with, of course, Um, it's quite right, and we should flash up um, a comment from Miss Stubborn, who's had a busy week. Um, the Scottish game doesn't have doesn't suit Kent's game and he's better when he has space to run into, which of course is absolutely right and indeed plays to his main strengths, which is popping the ball behind the the of full back and, and running into space. So listen, absolutely right. Um Kemar uh, Roof came on for the second half, had a great chance and fired wide very shortly after coming on. I think it was one of his first touches actually. And Roof was indeed fouled for the free kick, which led to Livingston having a man sent off and Rangers being awarded the free kick, which we'll come to in a second. Adam,
2: mm-hmm. did
0: you think it was a second yellow for Omiyongo to get sent off?
1: Yeah, I've been kind of swithering on this one big time. I think I think it is a little bit harsh. Sort of simultaneously, if I can try and say this alongside that, I don't think it's a major scandal that the ref has given a second booking. Yeah. As in, I think it could go either way. Um, it is a clumsy challenge, and he's nowhere near the ball. And I suppose the kind of position on the pitch is perhaps what you could argue there because it is kind yeah. of going to an attack. But yeah, to me, it seems a little bit harsh. But, you know, It kind of is what it is. And I suppose as well, not that football should work like this when we're having conversations about consistency, but I thought the Stephen Kelly challenge in the first half... Was a shocker. I mean, I thought that was lucky not to be a red. So Sometimes these things tend to even themselves out. As I say, that shouldn't be, you know, how it is. We shouldn't get one decision wrong and then sort of make up for it elsewhere in the game for a player that doesn't deserve it. But yeah, I think... Yeah, I can see where that comment's coming from. I'll sort of be... Finally, direct on it. I don't think it's a second yellow on a sending off, but I can see both sides of the argument. Do
0: you know? I have to be honest. When I saw it, um, so I'm entirely with you, Adam. I didn't think they can yellow. However, um, I can see he's given the ref. Uh, a decision to make by making such a clumsy challenge as you see in that area of the pitch, which is really, really risky. I mean, if roofs a couple of yards ahead, it's it's a penalty. Rangers, those three magic words. And um, listen, I, I I think rightly or wrongly, um, Omiyonga was was sent off. I go back to match day one of this season, back in I think it was the thirty first of July, and James Tavernier got a free kick in that area or thereabouts, same ground, um, and curled an absolute cracker in to get us three points. The, the penalty hit yesterday, Saf, was absolutely better. Straight into an area of the goal where the, the Livingston goalkeeper can't get near it. Really emphatic free kick, wasn't it?
2: It was a beautiful free kick, wasn't it? You didn't think he would go go that side because the goalkeeper yeah. had it covered, essentially. So you had to get it spot on. Uh, as they say, the cliche, the postage stamp, and he, he did it. It was just a perfect, beautiful uh, free kick. And well deserved, and obviously Tav, Tav does that really well. I'm sure we'll go on to discuss that in more detail. Yeah. Um, and and it just settled the nerves, as you know. You know the, the guy got sent off. I agree with Adam. I think it was harsh. If it was the Rangers player getting sent off like that, we'd be going a bit crazy on here. <laughs> um, yeah. You know. Um, so it was a bit harsh uh, if you look at it from a from a kind of um, neutral point of view. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, uh, it was a free kick, and uh, and you're right. It's just a beautiful. Uh, finish for from tab
0: i think curry muncher's right actually here he, he scored um he scored twice yesterday Won an absolute peach and um, didn't have I don't want to say crap, but he didn't have he didn't have one of the best games I I think um yesterday, certainly. And we'll come on to him um again in a little bit more depth very shortly. Don't forget if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook or indeed Twitter tonight, get involved in the comments and we will fire them up as best we can. So last goal of the game um was a little bit scrappy. Kemar Roof finds himself um in a, a really nice area, exactly where you want your striker to be. Adam fires one into the roof of the net and I think, um, and I know Rhys Cochran from this Cybrox group um, agrees, he really puts himself into the window for leading the line at Hamden next weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean the goal is like classic Kamar roof just right place, right time and yeah, I would love to see him, I can understand the argument for starting against Celtic, my fear is just the injury record and the last thing we need is to start the game with Kumar Roof and then twenty minutes in, you know, have to change the game plan because let's face it, that we don't really have another striker quite similar to him, I wouldn't say. I know that Cholak is a kind of penalty box poacher, but I think finishing wise, Roof's probably the best striker at the club. Um it's just unfortunate with his injury. I mean it feels like it feels genuinely feels like every time he plays he scores. I mean yeah. it's just that he's not played that much. I mean, obviously, he came off the bench against Aberdeen, scored in the semi-final, um, and there the other day. So, yeah, I, I don't know about starting him at Hamden. I think he certainly played himself into contention for it, um, but I think if you asked me now, I would probably still play Morales. To be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what you what you have um, with Kemar Roof like it or not, and listen, I appreciate it, it's quite clear that the manager really likes him, he really fancies him. However, there is a reliability and a consistency issue there, Saf. Um, all he can continue to do really <laughs> is is score every time he has the opportunity, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. Um, obviously, Morelos last time against Celtic, he had. I was watching the match back today. In fact, just. Because I was, I wanted to, and um, he had two or three good chances which he missed. You know the headers in the first half and and, and I think in the second half as well. Um, so he's uh, as you know he's he's not he's had problems scoring against Celtic historically. Um, Kemar is he fully match fit for the old firm for for such a match and next Sunday? I'm not too sure whether I think one of the comments said uh, we play the the front that we played yesterday and Kermar Kemar comes on uh, maybe in the second half, mid midway for the second half and, and mixes up a bit. Maybe that sounds like a decent option to have on the bench. Uh, perhaps, you know, and his physicality, his directness might help then if the if the game is still drawing or whatever. Um I think I would probably go for that option to be honest with you, as opposed to starting him. I, I agree with Adam, God forbid he gets injured or there's an issue there. And then we're suddenly um, disadvantaged fairly early on and have to change the shape um, soon after that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I think, do you know that we, I, I don't think we're actually in a bit of a, um, a bit of a quandary just now because neither Roof, Morelos or Cholak have showed any sort of consistency that warrants them leading the line next weekend, in my honest opinion. um. I'd love to have of them really playing out their skin, but we're just not having that just now. We're not seeing that just now. And while it's good that Roof um, did come on and score yesterday, he arguably puts himself in pole position for, for that position based on the fact that Morelos didn't do anything on a really stodgy surface and Cholak was the same despite him being involved from the bench. Roof can only continue to take his chances yeah, yeah. and we hope he continues to do that. Adam, I want to speak about Michael Beal. That's 10 from 11 in the league since mm. he came in. It um, would have been 11 um, Barab, um, sort of really late um, Old firm, um equaliser back in January. It's a really impressive performance so far from Michael Beale. 12 games to go in the league, of course, this season. <coughs> I'm sure if you do the maths, we can still make um, that 100 points mark. Arguably, maybe still not win the league, certainly. But um, I think if this Rangers team get to, to 100 points and don't win the league, apart from saying it says a lot about maybe form across the city, um, it says a lot about Beal and how he's got this group of players playing really well just now.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's done a fantastic job. He's had a huge impact. And, you know, you look back particularly to those first two games, especially the game at Putaudry, games that they just shouldn't really have won, to be honest with you, in terms of... particularly, I mean, the Aberdeen one was like you try not to let yourself dream that stuff like that's going to happen because it just never does, <laughs> but it just shows the kind of mentality shift that you seem to have immediately. I mean, something like that you would think normally takes time. I mean, I know obviously Steven Gerrard was in a very, was in a very, very different place when he first took over, but it does remind me slightly of when he first came in and there was that immediate mentality shift, you know, things have to be better. Um, and Beale has kind of clearly replicated that idea albeit that's not a surprise given that he, he worked under Steven Gerrard and, um, so, yeah, and I think we're past the point now where, you know, probably after three or four games, you're past the point where you can, you know, describe things as the sort of classic new manager bounce. You know, we see that all the time. We've seen it under Rangers in the past with managers, the likes of Graham Murty, when he, you know, got a few good results and stuff when he first came in, etc. that, you know... And that you was get, him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you do just kind of get that from a manager, but I think we're well past that point now. And, and yeah, he's, he's doing a really good job. And, and, you know, if he can make that, Next week what will it be his twelfth game. Did you say it
0: was? No, it was eleven. Yeah, twelve to, no, to go. Um, mm-hmm. So so far, I think, including the cup games, I'm sure he's fourteen and fifteen or thirteen and fourteen. I'm not entirely sure, but from a league perspective, um, he he certainly won ten um, from the eleven. Listen, it's a, it's an impressive record for a guy that came in, and there was a lot of humming and hawing with it. Is, is he the right person for the job? Should we be bringing him back? I, there there wasn't particularly a right answer, I think, but I think that. Now that he's came in and has done what he's done, don't forget you were you were talking about you're talking about a squad of players who against St Johnston, Livingston, and St Meldon under the previous manager looked so uninterested, um, just like they wanted to be playing for anyone else. Bar Giovanni Van Bronckhorst for Bill to come in and do what he's done. Saf, we'll stick with you on that. He, yeah, he's he's ticking all the boxes f- for the support right now, in my opinion. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Um, again, again, thinking about this a little bit as well, um, Scott, you can't complain. Um, was it 13 out of 14? Um, bar 10 minutes in the old yeah. firm, we would yeah. have a full record. And if you think about it as well, uh, logically, going back to Adam's point about the Aberdeen away match, you're winning that was so interesting. A, we won, we had that fighting spirit, and B, Aberdeen subsequently had that collapse. After that, we just went, pear-shaped and they went yeah. from from hero to zero, you know, subsequently and they, as you know, they, they, they got rid of their manager or whatever if we had won the old firm who knows what would have happened on the other side in terms of mentality, confidence you know, doubt, call it what you want okay, um, and so apart from that, he's got a, he's had a great record over the last two and a half months or so so fingers crossed that continues, you made the point about the league, you know you know, we've, you know, looking back at previous leagues, even at this time of the um, uh, season, we would have been top maybe comfortably. And you know, they've had a they've had an exceptional season. They've had a perfect season essentially. And yeah. it's very hard to do that consistently. So uh, I don't think we should beat ourselves too much about that, notwithstanding the fact we always want to win the league. Um and maybe next Sunday, fingers crossed, touch wood, still early days, I'm sure we'll talk about it more during the week. You guys will um if we win that, that might be the turning point. Uh, you know uh, i think michael you said during the week we have a low probability of winning the league. i, I agree with that but it's not it's not zero so let, let's continue to 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 have faith as well
0: let's not be very interesting to see um just exactly what happens next sunday i do wonder if if we're fortunate enough to win the league cup final um next sunday if it does cause a wee bit of a stagger across the city and Similar to Kemar Roof, only scoring when he gets the opportunities. Michael Beale can only continue to win games. Um yeah. and I think that goes for him and and the sort the of players that he is choosing to, to lead his team out every single week. Speaking of which, Adam, I want to speak about James Tavernier. Yeah. 95 goals in his Rangers career, five shot of, of that magical turn. Maria of course, the last guy to to get to hundred. Um how kind is history going to be to James Tavernier? as Rangers captain?
1: Yeah, personally, I think it should be very kind to him. I mean, I think it's worth me sort of prefacing this, Scott, with, you know, the first kind of real vivid memory I have of a Rangers team is probably Walter Smith's second spell at the club. I have sort of vague memories of the likes of Stefan Kloss and Living et cetera, but probably not clear enough to kind of make a judgment on them. So I've only kind of got really two kind of really kind of strong periods there. You know, obviously we have 2012 to kind of, Steven Gerrard, basically, we are the best one in the world. I don't think many of them will come into the Hall of Fame <laughs>
0: discussion
1: in a few minutes' time. So, for me, if you were to ask me to make a, a living of Rangers players, you know, in, in my own lifetime that I can vividly remember, Tavernier would certainly be in there. And you know, he's just given absolutely everything to the club. He's been a fantastic captain, a servant, both on and off the pitch. I think he always, always speaks well. And you know, I think he's risen above. You know, um, sort of I'm trying to think of the right word. Doubts from his own fans. I mean, when Steven Gerrard first picked him as captain, I think it's fair to say not everybody was hundred percent certain. Um, admitted, and I think our kind of main defence at the time was just that. You know, if anyone knows what a captain is, it would be Steven Gerrard. Yeah. Um, but he's just done a fantastic job. And then you get into the actual, you know, like quantitative part of it. His goals and assist numbers are just outrageous. I mean, even if you take out take out the penalties. Once he reaches 100 or even say, you know, say in another 10 goals time, he's reached that, you know, 50 goals that aren't penalties. For yeah. a fullback, that's still it's outstanding. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to kind of put into words. And, and, you know, he's ultimately, he won Aaron Ramsey penalty away from being, you know, one of only two people in the entire club's illustrious history to have achieved something you know, that ultimately, I think, sadly for him, is is not on him. Obviously, that entire starting of living that night, you know, it's all of but Maybe it would have gone down in in history, but him as the captain. um, Yeah, I I really, I honestly struggle to say a bad word against the guy.
0: So, Saf, I think you and I, and I mean this with the greatest respect, you and I are of a similar vintage, I think, if you're not early forties, I apologize. <laughs> I'm
2: not early forties, uh, <laughs> In that case, I do I'm apologize. 40s. <laughs> <laughs> so the the
0: so Shug has has jumped in and said that um, James Tavernier is the best right back in his time. Shug only looks like he's in our time, he's definitely not. Mm-hmm. Um, he includes Gary Stevens in that. I have said, I've went on record before as saying that I do think Gary Stevens is the best right back in my time. There's probably arguments for people that are older than me that will mention a, a, a certain Sandy Jarden who of course had the flexibility to play either side. Um, there's no doubt, Saf, that James Tavernier has been a wonderful servant to the football club. We will get another two, three years of him. I'm reasonably certain of that. His goal tally, as I say, five from 100, north of 100 assists. He's, he is an incredible footballer and a wonderful captain for us.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, you're right, Scott. I've moved that vintage, what I've seen... Um, the soonest era you know when rangers had a defense and a keeper that was essentially the ring sorry the england defense and, and yeah. keeper imagine that if that's yeah. today uh, in terms of the the quality and the quantum of money one would have to spend to do that um so i've seen that um and stevens was an exceptional right back um, um so it's hard to judge you know different era physicality etc as well um so but i think tav himself from where he's come from, you know, with Rangers in terms of the the lower league as well, and what he's done to bring the club up, uh, you know, that leadership, that spirit, that focus, um, and his attacking madness, and has been exceptional. And the reason also I say that is I spend a lot of time in London, so I've got a lot of friends that support some of the top English Premier League teams. And one thing they always say to me is the respect they have for Tav. In terms of his playing style, his attacking ability, his, his uh, you know, way of world to get into the box and, you know, where that's assessed or goals or whatever. and whatever. And as we as well documented in the 55 season, what he did, as well as obviously the last season in the Europa League M run. Um, so I think he's up there. Whether, whether some people have doubts because of, you know, he's not been your typical Rangers captain as well. You know, some people might have unconscious bias around that. I don't know. But I think he's been a great captain um, for us. Um, It's a shame, just because of the nature of where we've come from over the last 10 years, six years even, that he's not won more trophies as a result. And as Adam said, he was that close to to winning a European trophy with us. Um, um, And I I would have him in the Hall of Fame. I think he's been exceptional uh, in that period that I've certainly seen him playing.
0: You know, GS jumps in um, to to the chat via YouTube. Thanks for watching tonight. Um, he does comment, and I, I think w- one thing that's changed probably dramatically since the sort of mid to late eighties, when Gary Stevens was right back, compared to now. I think the right back back then is entirely different to what a right back is now. So when you've got a, you've got a James Tavernier who. I mean, GS comments on how Tav struggles to defend. I'm not sure I agree with that, but he defends certainly in a different way for what Gary Stevens um, defended. Gary Stevens wasn't particularly interested in, I don't want to say foreign goals, that that doesn't sound right. He was aware that probably wasn't the primary part of his game, I think, with, with Tav. One of his main strengths is how offensive he is and how attacking he can be up and down that right hand side. Stevens was that as well, you know what I mean? Stevens Stevens was a was a naturally gifted defender, wonderful right back. Um, and I listen, I've got to be honest, I don't think Tav is is too far away to be perfectly honest with you. But I've said before, and I've said it in this famous WhatsApp chat that we speak about, James Tavernier as a captain will ultimately be judged on the amount of medals he leaves Glasgow with one day. Um, and at the moment, the, the reality is he doesn't have enough and he will have to seriously stock up in winner's medals between now and whenever that time is um, when he eventually moves on. It's a fantastic, fascinating debate um, and I still can't believe, for what it's worth, that SAF is late 40s.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, listen, guys, we should see tonight, we, we've heard a lot about Edmiston House recently and tonight is the... Is the um, the opening gala of it. So they're really going um they're going out on one tonight. All the sort the of who's who's of of Rangers is is there tonight and they will indeed induct three new members of the Hall of Fame. Last time we done this was a 2014 staff, and we um inducted, if you like, Lee McCulloch, Natchinovo and the late Fernando Rickson. Yeah. Um it's getting to the stage where we need to think about who's going to be in next. I believe that the the official Twitter have announced tonight there'll be three people inducted in um, into that. Um, I think that Alan McGregor and Stephen Davis should be two of the three without a doubt. Andrew Finlayson agrees that Devo and Griggs are certs. They're probably the most decorated Rangers of the 21st century. To be in the hall I like it, you need to be involved in more than one league winning side, which I think is absolutely right. Saf, where are you on who should be in there? And I assume you agree that Stephen Davis and Alan McGregor should be.
2: Yeah, I presume there's been no, no announcement yet. Um, Scott. not that, not that yeah, I've seen you well, i have seen me the,
0: checking my phone back and forward. I am looking, I don't for want to or, or
2: uh, discredit <laughs> myself by saying something. Um, I agree, I agree with what you're saying. Um, the only thing I would say about McGregor is I think. It's a shame that he didn't actually retire when when we all thought he would last summer. You know yeah. that Scottish Cup final ending, um, and he kind of. I just feel that it just this year is he's kind of. My view is well known that he's kind of let himself down by just going an extra year, and, and that's not his fault. That's management as well. Not 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 focusing on the goalkeeping situation, uh, but McGregor certainly in Europe, this domestic. Um, has been exceptional for, for rangers and I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that and i wouldn't disagree with davis either and and as i said i wouldn't disagree with tav being amongst the trio assuming they're going to still have players that are currently playing actively playing for rangers and in, in, in there um i think it'd be a proud moment for 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 taft to do that um, to be there as well
0: as i, I mean as i say i mean i i, I do think um McGregor and, and Stephen Davis should be absolute shoo Paul McGarigal, hi Paul, thanks for tuning in, um, mentions Lee Wallace, which I think is a fantastic shout. Um, sacrificed loads um, since, since 2012, including I would argue an international career at that point. He was probably the best left back in the country um, and would have been the national left back for many, many, many a year. Um, and really sacrifice that to go down to to the third division with the club. Where do you stand on on who the, the, maybe the three should be, and is Lee Wallace sort of worthy of being involved there?
1: Yeah, so I think Davison McGregor, um, 100%. I, I'm, I'm slightly a, it's a strange woman with McGregor with this kind of extra year, but also in complete agreement that I think it, you know you have to be stronger at a management level and. You know, footballers have big egos. They believe, they're always going to believe. It's the same with managers. They just, just how often do you see them go out really on their own terms? You know, it, it takes a, a manager or someone strong to just say, no, this, I'm afraid, you can't kind of take this any further. But when you kind of take him in, you know, isolation and what he's achieved with a club, I think he has to be in there. It's the exact same with Stephen Davis. I think the fact is well that's interesting they both kind of come full circle, you know, and, and you know, we I mean, from a playing point of view, Stephen Davis is just outstanding. It was funny before we came on this. I had to look at his um, just his Southampton career, and you know the amount of managers like Marissa, <coughs> Ronald Koeman, the guys, you know, really top top managers that, that rated him are are was quite fantastic to see, and, and yeah, well deserved. So yeah, coming on to Lee Wallace, I think definitely an interesting in shout in terms of you know his kind of service to the club and. And as you say, Scott, I mean, I, I think that's a, a perfectly fair statement to say that he was probably the best left back in the country and, and therefore arguably sacrificed his, his international career. I suppose the kind of other side of the coin is, is folk maybe ask, you know, even not playing at the same, I know he wasn't going through Europe the way Tavernier was, etc, etc. So it depends just kind of how you sort of look at what should get a player into the Hall of Fame. And I know there is, I think, mean, is there sort of five points or something that if you've, Maybe got
0: them. I don't know. So, so yeah, I've I've got them here. So the the five. Um, we should say if 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 you're perhaps a bit unsure about the hall hall of fame and how it started. It was set up in 1999 by Mr. John Gregg. Good evening, sir. Um, Sandy Jardin, David Mason, the club historian, and um, one Sir David Murray. Um, and the the five. Um, sort of not necessarily bullet points and i loathe to say criteria because I, that, that sounds like it's a bar mm-hmm. you need to get and i don't think it applies to everyone to be honest Um service to the club um number of games played for the club medals won with the club um i can't read my writing there international caps whilst at the club and lastly ability and i, I would suggest that means um maybe just what you do for the club, as as far as a sort of ability is concerned, Adam. So
1: mm. you know, I think I, international I think, caps is incredibly harsh on James Tavernier, given he's been born in a generation that's produced sort of four
0: of the best right backs. One hundred <laughs> percent, absolutely. And, and you know that that's where it becomes that would be where, it, where yeah. it becomes really. And same goes for 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 Lee Wallace. I think it, yeah. um, I think it does become really hard at, at that point too. Um. To throw Lee Wallace's name into the equation because he sacrificed so much to go down and play against sort of bookers, bookies, bakers, candlestick makers, the lot. Do you know what I mean, guys that were going out to work on a on a Saturday night? So I almost think it is unfair to have that as a criteria to try and to try and get in. John Wallace um, throws in a name from yesterday, Jim Forrest. Incredible that Jim Forrest isn't in there already. As far as I'm concerned, when you look at some of the guys that are in there. More recently, Novo McCulloch. Um, Saf, is there anyone off the top of your head who you think sort should be in there? We know that sorry, all the guys from from the 90s and the successful early 2000s is in there. Amaruso, Alberts is in there. Barry Ferguson, rightly so, is in there. Um, is, is there anyone there that you think, goodness me, he should absolutely be in there?
2: I can't think of anybody. I had a look earlier on today and over the weekend. I think Gascoigne's in there, I, I presume. He's in there, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um... And Richard Goff's in there, certainly the people that I can remember that have been genuine leaders uh, and stars and standouts of that generation are there. I can't really recall anybody that I think that should be, beyond the ones that I've just said, um, of the current generation. Um, this Golson, not really, you know, he's yeah. not really been there long enough, albeit he's had that exceptional season in terms of defending 55. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't I can't really think of anybody that thinks gosh, there's really different. Really fashion, in there. Just out of Did you see fashion cicala?
0: Yeah, in there? Yeah, is in there? No,
1: is he... <laughs> oh,
0: goodness me, how do you how do you cut people off this feed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know I, I I think one of the things we have done, joking aside, is I think we have made it um it's very, very difficult to pick guys from recent times that would deserve to be in there. Don't forget, my understanding is the Hall of Fame's primarily based on players so it can't be based on players that haven't sort of run out onto the turf so you almost well there should be something for Walter smith my goodness should there be something for Walter smith it's incredible there's not yet even in and around the stadium um jimmy bell I, I see my previous answer there has to be something for them in there and i listen i have to say right on cue the gaffer jumps in um, on on this is Ibrox um, chat. Tommy McIntyre. Hi Tommy. Good evening. If non football managers and players are going in, then David Home deserves a seat. So David Home staff. Your memories of David Home of course responsible for bringing Graham Soonest to the club. Um, eighty six. Yeah. Um, if anyone is going to be in there, and we're talking about players that, and um, we're talking about people that have been involved passionately and really invest in the club david holmes is absolutely right up there yeah
2: if you think about it for the young generation that maybe don't know um david holmes changed rangers that you can't even believe it's one of these things where you kind of know where you were when soon signed and when mo johnson signed and yeah. you know you know as soon as was you know predominant in that david holmes is prominent in um signing um, Sooners soon as the player manager he was part of the lawrence group that owned rangers at the time the house building yep. um magnet um and it was he and his team that decided enough was enough rangers were a sleeping giant we weren't going to be um overrun by aberdeen and united and started to some extent then we we had low attendances um and so on and and just changed rangers sea changes a bit like one can argue you know all this Arab money coming into some of these uh, football clubs now in Europe or, or even the English League it was absolutely sea change and as I said it was that dominant and I agree with Tommy you actually remember where you were when it was announced it yeah. was that, you, you actually remember when as I said when students was announced or as uh, subsequently other things were announced so I agree with Tommy he certainly deserves something and yeah and Walter I don't know what's happening with the statue or whatever rangers i will be doing for 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 Walter as well and um, these guys generally deserve recognition because they, they change the face of rangers uh, and the face of Scottish football by very very small but massive actions at the time
0: yeah and listen I, I think as well when you get into the when you get really deep into it about guys that maybe haven't played for the club you you of course drift all the way back to um when shug was a boy and bill struth was was around and um I think moving forward um, you look at guy I mean Willie Waddell completely revolutionized the game that we all go to football up and down the country completely changed everything we do. Um, so I, I think when the minute you start talking about involving maybe guys that have not played for the club, um, there's a big debate there as well because we've got a lot of custodians of the football club who deserve to have. Um, their, their own little piece um, of history there. Um, listen, it's, it's getting close to, to time for you guys to disappear. Saf, I've really enjoyed having on. Thanks very much.
2: Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, it, was a, it was a good uh, discussion and as I said uh, all roads lead to next Sunday.
0: And Indeed they do. I can't wait. I'm excited already. This time next week, I'm hopeful. In fact, this week, next week, regardless, I will be a little bit hoarse. Adam, it's always good to see you and again, my friend. Thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks very much for having me, Scott. And just to echo everything that was said there, hopefully, hopefully everyone's in a good mood this time next day, uh, next Sunday.
0: Indeed, our next Sunday will be an absolute nightmare. I'm sure it won't be, and of course we hope it won't. Listen, before we um, let everyone disappear into their Sunday night, a couple of things I want to to bring to your attention. Um, we should say that um, Kai Watson, who is one of our master scribblers, um, has pulled together a fantastic um, series that corroborates and ties in with the Blue Heaven series that was on the telly about 20 or so years ago to be honest with you it's went live tonight across on our website it's all the w's this side jump on and have a look first person he managed to get some time with was peter Levin, um who got a really nasty injury um during this time when when blue heaven was on um jump on have a look you will familiarize yourself with um much of the content on there i recommend you jump on if you can i should say before we go um Congratulations to Livingston yesterday and indeed the the representatives of, of Rangers who were involved in the selection of the the mascots yesterday. The the mascot at the Livingston game yesterday was a young lad called Leighton. I don't know his surname. I apologise for that. However, he is an autistic little fella. And um they treated him really, really well yesterday. I have to say, full full fair play to David Martindale and all the people at Livingston for for really making that a special occasion for the wee guy. Nicky Devlin, of course, the Livingston captain came out with a pair of headphones on, um, which I think really struck a chord with a lot of the fans that were, I'm sure, for his family. Um, it it was quite an emotional day and really good to see. So congratulations to everyone at Livingston for for facilitating that and everyone at Rangers who, of course, would have been involved in in helping that. Um, that go on. Um, Really good and a good news story um, for Scottish football. Again, um, it's good to speak about the good things that happen in the game here. Chelsea's worst player. Um, Should say tomorrow, 6.30, early start. Craig Dennett is joined by Kai Watson and Scott Cameron. Join them if you can. Have a good week. (laughs) Bye-bye.